Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. That's one day in the books this week. In a very kind of unpleasant week as streaming goes. We talked about it a bit on yesterday's podcast. Overload days. Lots of overload days this week. That sucks for streaming. Because the options in between, you kind of have to focus on a little bit. But those teams don't have particularly good options. And a lot of the teams that play tonight, Tuesday, don't actually go Thursday also. You know, Brooklyn today, tomorrow, and Friday, Phoenix, same kind of thing. You're talking about just a handful of teams that have off-day schedules this week. It's really most everybody Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So you got to hope that you catch lightning in a bottle. This is a tough week to outmaneuver your opponents. But we're going to do our best, and we're going to stick with it here as we start working our way through some of yesterday's action, the Monday evening Results, Nine Gamer, plenty of stuff going on there. And then our two-a-day streaming planner on Fantasy NBA Today. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is Tuesday, March the 15th. I'm Dan Baspris. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Appreciate you guys spending some time with us today. Welcome, as usual, to the new listeners. So excited to have some of you guys that found me on the socials, then moving over here to become podcast listeners, and then the other way around. Sweet equilibrium. Want to get everybody that follows me on Twitter to listen to the show. I want to get everybody that listens to the show to follow me on Twitter. But full crossover. Then we're really cooking with gas. Then we can really do some damage out here. Thank you to everybody that continues to rate and review the podcast. Really do need those five-star reviews, especially if you're one of the newer listeners, so I know you haven't done it yet. Please do so via iTunes or the podcast app on your Apple-branded mobile device. I'll tell you how to do it a little bit later on in the show. We'll also remind you of some of our partners here on today's podcast, although I really feel like you guys deserve a day without me doing a giant advertising read. Maybe this will be that day. Maybe this is just self-promo. Exclusively, we'll call it Self-Promo Tuesday. Rolls right off the tongue. Whatever. Clippers, on the last game of their five-game in seven-night stretch, ran out of gas late, which is what happens when you play five games in seven nights. I had a small play on the Cavaliers. I put that in our wager pass. Cavaliers by six and a half points. They won by nine. So just got that little bit of extra that we needed to at the very end of the ballgame. Close game, actually. Uh, Went to overtime, and it took a little bit extra there. So uh, Clippers actually had enough gas to get through 48 minutes. They didn't have quite enough gas to get through 53. So we got a little bit lucky on that play. Thought the Clips would run out of fuel a little sooner than they did. But ultimately, they did finally run out of fuel. Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, we assume they'll be back for the next ball game. This one was listed as rest for both, so I would just presume that they'll be there on Wednesday and Friday this week, and then you could probably dump them. Because the Clippers don't play again until the following Tuesday. They're off Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and then they roll into a two-game week. Clippers are kind of unplayable when you think about it from that standpoint after Friday of this week. What's the final number there? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Two games over 10 days, the Clippers. Yeesh. Abandoned ship. Although, you might have to abandon ship earlier, based on a few things we found out from this Monday evening card. Not so much in this ballgame. Karis LeVert made his return, played 25 minutes. That'll take a little bit away from some of the other guys. But everything else stayed largely the same. 
When Larry Markinen is having an efficient ball game, Kevin Love sees a little bit less. Mobley's always going to be fine. Garland's always going to be fine. And uh, Isaac Okoro had a rare big ball game here, but you're not buying into that nonsense at all. And on the Clippers side, uh, Zubats, great. Um, we saw Terrence Mann get inserted back into the starting lineup. I, 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 I'm personally kind of wondering if he moved to the bench because he was getting tired, but then he played 45 minutes here. I think it was the second highest number of anybody on the... No, third highest. Markinen and, and Garland played more. But still, that's a ton. Luke Kennard into the starting lineup. He was meh. Nick Batum was meh. Amir Coffey was fine. Took 20 shots to have kind of an inefficient ball game. Clippers weren't very good, but that team just battles. They just battle and they battle and they battle some more. But with that bad schedule coming up, I don't think you can really do a whole lot with it. Portland, boy, did they fight tooth and nail. Eventually, they just, like the Clippers, kind of ran out. Here's the problem with this ballgame. Portland, 20 turnovers. The Hawks, four. It's too many more possessions. Blazers outplayed the Hawks. Shot 50%. Atlanta shot 37% and won. That's very rare. You shoot 13% worse than your opponent and win. I will officially give my seal of approval to Trendon Watford now. He was like, he was right on the bubble, and with Portland's great schedule, you can go ahead and, and dive on into that. He's probably been added in a number of leagues by folks that were a little quicker on the draw than I was there. I'll wear that one. Probably waited one game too long. Got added in 22% of leagues yesterday, so that basically was like, okay, yeah, Dan, you waited a little bit too long, but he's still only 45% rostered overall in Yahoo leagues, meaning he might be floating around out there, and... You know, whatever, like Chris Dunn played. Justice Winslow might come back at some point. We still don't know, but I think we have to assume for now he won't. Josh Hart had another nice ball game. Glad we held on to that one. Drew Eubanks had another nice ball game. Still can't really get myself wrapped around the Eubanks thing. I talked about him being kind of a serviceable back-end center. I just don't know what format that's something you'd want terribly, but... Like, if you're sitting on Isaiah Roby, who's completely fallen off the face of the earth here, was starting every game for about a month, moved him to the bench, and then just basically didn't play, you could flip that for Eubanks. Not that different. And Brandon Williams is actually having a pretty good ball game, but for the two-for-five foul shooting, that blew a big hole in what was otherwise a pretty decent game. I mean, if he goes four out of five, he's not a good free-throw shooter, by the way, like high 60s, but... Two out of five is worse than that. You guys can do that math. So if he makes one or even two more of those, you're talking about a pretty good ball game. 20 points, six assists, a steal, a block. Probably buys himself a little bit more time on your rosters. Glimpses of some upside there, but boy, that, that free throw percent is upsetting. Bogdan Bogdanovich was not very good for Atlanta in this ball game. He, was, he just couldn't shoot the ball, so he saw less playing time. He's a guy I'm still sticking with. We knew DeAndre Hunter would be asked to do more with no Danilo Gallinari and no John Collins. So he was a fairly safe stream. DeLon Wright moved into the starting lineup in this ballgame. Sort of a weird little tweak on things with all the missing pieces. They, all, they opted to go small. DeLon Wright at shooting guard moved everybody else up. Or Hunter and Herter, I should say, moved up the board. No, you're not picking up DeLon Wright. I think we... I have to... Assume we'll see either Collins or Gallinari on Wednesday, but I don't know. I wouldn't pick up Delon Wright. You guys know I love Delon Wright, but I just I can't spend a move on him, especially when you think he played 30 minutes, took three total shots, usage rate of six. It's one of the lowest you could find in the entire card. 
of anybody who actually played significant minutes at least. DeAndre Hunter's a guy I don't like typically fantasy-wise, but if Gallo and Collins are out again, then I do. That's enough of a usage bump for him to get him across the line. I think we all thought Onyeko Okongwa would do a little bit more. He still only saw 20 minutes because Clint Capella was actually pretty good in this ball game. didn't shoot the ball well, but did his rebounding rim protection thing. So nothing really changes for Atlanta, despite the bodies missing. Other than DeAndre Hunter, he's the one tweak there. Moves across the cut line. But I, again, I still think one of those two guys plays tomorrow, Collins or Gallo, which would move everything right back where it was before. If one of them plays, that guy just sees all the power forward minutes. If, if both of them play, then Collins would be kind of in front, but nursing some stuff himself. Denver came back to beat Philadelphia. Boy, did Philly get out of the gate strong in this game. Matisse Thibel had a monster, monster performance. Tobias Harris got out of the gates quick and then slowed down. Tyrese Maxey started slowly and then ramped up. James Harden started slowly and ramped up. Joel Embiid started very quickly and kind of calmed as the game went on. And then just slowly but surely, Nikola Jokic, with smooth passing, just willed his team past him. Denver's a wonder, man. Jokic himself, Jokic in particular, he is a frickin' marvel. How on earth can he drag this team to be this good? I'm in awe. I have already said, I've said it on this show many times, he's my MVP again this year, Nikola Jokic is. I think Embiid's gonna win it, all but losing this game. That's part of the story arc. Fantasy-wise, nothing. You know, Matisse Thibel had a big ball game. He'll probably balance that out by doing very little in the next one. Charlotte beat Oklahoma City. No surprise there. You should beat Oklahoma City. Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, LaMelo Ball all had really nice ball games. Mason Plumley had four blocks. That kind of came out of nowhere. P.J. Washington slowed down a little bit, but 30 minutes for P.J. is enough, so no valuation changes on the Charlotte side. Cannot for the life of me explain what's going on with Oklahoma City other than leaning even harder into the tank by benching Isaiah Roby. I don't know what he did. He must have done something. Must have gotten himself in trouble with management. I, like, I, he just gone. Olivier Saar got the star, played 32 minutes at center. I, I just, I can't, I cannot fathom anything other than a tank effort on that one. Or maybe injury? But it allowed Alexei Pokashevsky to get his minutes back up a little bit. Now with Roby playing less, and there's sort of no commitment to giving Saar a ton of playing time. Thunder are a, a, a just a total disaster trying to figure out what's going to happen game to game. I think we can trust Darius Baisley right now, which is a sentence I didn't expect to say at the beginning of this year, but he's seeing consistent playing time and consistent shots. Pokashevsky is uh, borderline. His percentages are not great, but he's been able to float it with some blocks in general. This one, the turnovers hurt him, but everything else is actually decent. And then the defensive stats went away. So Poku's just barely on the right side of the cut line. Roby, I think you have to drop, which is a damn shame because the Thunder are rolling into a great schedule. Four games this week. They roll Monday and or Sunday and Monday before you have to move along from them. Maybe Wednesday you could roll all the way into that, but I, I, don't, I don't know how you play a guy in Roby who saw nine minutes and had four rebounds and a block. That's nothing. That's effectively a nothing line. So that we brought up Drew Eubanks before. I mean, you could make the flip there, or you could flip to some other Thunder if you trust him. Trey Mann? Do we trust Aaron Wiggins to be out long enough? Lindy Waters played 24 minutes. Olivier Saar? Would you pick up Saar? I would not. I can't do it. 
This is crazy. This is completely crazy. Hey, I told you I wasn't going to do a full read, but I am going to remind you guys to check out our buddies at ThriveFantasy.com. Use promo code ETHOS when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus and two $20 contest entry vouchers with a deposit of only $10 at ThriveFantasy.com. Prop up and play DFS with prop bets over at Thrive Fantasy and the Thrive Fantasy app. Promo code, once again, is ETHOS. Story of the night, Carl Anthony Towns and the Minnesota Timberwolves put up a buck 49 in regulation on the San Antonio Spurs. This is a wild ball game. Cat scored 60, including 32 in the third quarter. Highest point scoring game of anybody's season. That's the that's the mark for this campaign, 21, 2021 to 2022. And, I mean, if you have Cat in your weekly head-to-head matchup right now, you might have just locked in a category or two. Patrick Beverly had his best game in probably half a decade. D'Angelo Russell was pretty good, but you know who wasn't? The guy who's only good when someone in the starting lineup is hurt. Someone not in the front court in the starting lineup is hurt. D'Angelo Russell, Patrick Beverly were both back. Anthony Edwards has been back for a while. D'Lo's been back for a little while. Bev was back. So Malik Beasley now is droppable. Vanished. As we figured he would as soon as everybody was back again. Meanwhile, on San Antonio's side, Doug McDermott is, quote, out for a while. Josh Richardson got the start and didn't do anything, and so I, I think that's as much info as we really need to go to there. Jakob Pertl, DeJounte Murray, this is probably good for Devin Vassell, although everybody, Keldon Johnson included, had a big ball game because of how high the score was here. You kind of have to take this one with a grain of salt. It's not going to be a 290-point total every ball game. Total in this game, by the way, was 241. Oddsmakers went, went pretty damn high, and... Woo, did that blow past it. Good gravy. That is a high-scoring ball game. Yeah, I said good gravy. I still, I have this, I still have the old-timey baseball broadcaster in me. There's, there's a good buddy of mine who's putting together uh, a story about the arc of the weirdo Bakersfield Blaze team that I worked for for so long that obviously existed a long time before I got there as well. And he sends me clips every once in a while of the old-timey stuff I say, referring to stuff as the Dickens. I can't do it, man. I can't. When I'm on a broadcast, I just turn back into a baseball broadcaster. And those of you that listen to baseball, you know it's just not a modern way of speaking. (laughs) I don't know why. We just... It doesn't matter. Anyway, Chicago, bad loss in Sacramento. Kings, still trying... God love them. And this is a good win for him. De'Aaron Fox has been very good since they unloaded Tyrese Halliburton and gave him back the keys to the team. Demonis Sabonis was good in this ballgame. Harrison Barnes was actually kind of quiet here, more of a facilitating role. And I do wonder, I mean, the Kings had success here with Dante DiVincenzo seeing extra minutes with Justin Holiday out. Is this something the Kings try again? We've said it on the podcast before, it's been a week or so, but when DiVincenzo gets enough minutes, which is basically 30-plus, we need starters minutes, he would be an ad. He just isn't getting those consistently, and I would need to see this happen with Justin Holiday on the floor to believe in it in any way. On the Chicago side, I was pretty excited about Alex Caruso coming back, and he laid a serious egg here. Four turnovers on top of the other ugly stuff. Io DeSunmu also a very quiet ball game. Chicago was just bad. Zach Levine shot under 50%. He made his free throws. Same deal with DeMar DeRozan. 
Vooch was okay, but just not much defense, not much offense. You got to stink on both sides of the ball to lose to the Kings, and that's exactly what Chicago did. I wouldn't move on any of these guys unless it's for the overload situation. Like, you have, if you have Desumu and you're not going to use him tomorrow, Friday, or Caruso, same story, then obviously it's a different animal. But, you know, Roto, things like that, the bad game. You just you swallow it, unfortunately. Draymond Green came back. He was, uh, you know, from a team standpoint, he was fantastic. Dray was a plus 24 in a game his team won by 14 in his 20 minutes on the floor. That's the difference he makes for this Warriors ball club, which, by the way, didn't actually play that great a defense, but the offense was there. And Draymond's facilitating is what changes everything. Steph, in particular, was just, you could see it in his game, although I think it was his birthday, too, overjoyed to have Draymond back. No real changes for the Warriors on the uh, fantasy side. Andrew Wiggins missed this one with an illness. I'd expect him back for the next ball game, but yeah, I, anything's possible, I suppose. Clay was a bit more normal after that giant game previous timeout. Jonathan Kaminga had a nice one, although his stuff kind of comes and goes a little bit, so you can't buy into that too much. And then Jordan Poole filling in for Wiggins. That was a nice one for him as well. But, uh, you know, most of that was filling stuff. On the Draymond side, I don't. do I start him in only 20 minutes? Probably not. They said he was going to be in the 20 to 24 minute range. Warriors were pretty firmly in control of this game, so they didn't have to go all the way to the 24. I think once he gets to 24 minutes, I would probably start Dre. And on the Wizards side, things have kind of settled in now. Porzingis, KCP, Kuzma. That's it. Great. We can just put everything on the shelf, not worry about it. Milwaukee-Utah was a fun ball game. No big surprises there. Brooke Lopez came back after a long time off with his back surgery. He played 14 and a half minutes, and he was fine. He was slow and rusty. Bobby Portis had a down ball game, and that's going to freak a lot of people out. If you, I'm assuming your trade deadlines are long past no matter what format you're in at this point, but if you, if you have a tra- don't have a trade deadline, for instance, he would be someone to look at. Because remember... Bobby Portis, even as a backup playing like 19, 20 minutes a game last year, he was inside the top 100. He just ramps up his his usage once that happened. If you have Bobby, don't freak out. Just, he'll be fine. Just a down ball game here. It wasn't like Brooke Lopez took a bunch of his playing time. He will. I mean, it'll it'll slowly work its way towards an even split. And then at that point, who knows really, because... They need Brooke Lopez's rim protection. It's one big thing the Bucks haven't had all year. They've been pretty good without it, but Lopez is that perfect fit there. From a from the Brooke Lopez standpoint, I you know I said it before. I'll say it again. I'm not adding him in a head-to-head league because there's just not enough. Like the ramp up here could take multiple weeks. There aren't multiple weeks left in most head-to-head seasons. Maybe two at you know for most some that. If you go later than that, you're nuts. Roto, you could sit on him for a couple of weeks. Maybe you get two good weeks out of Lopez. But is it truly worth it? Only if you're, like, right on the game's cap. And you don't need to make up any ground there. You could try to squeeze something out. I mean, I'd rather squeeze something out of someone like a Michael Porter Jr., who's, I think, probably supposed to be back within the week, but we haven't heard anything in a little while. And that's also a bit disconcerting when you think he'll probably be on a similar ramp-up path to what Lopez is on. He's younger, smaller, so maybe it goes a little quicker. Anyway, 
Tough call there. And then Toronto ran out to a giant lead over the Lakers. The final score of this game fully belying how not a game it actually was. Lakers did their usual thing where they fall behind by 25, and then the other team takes their foot off the gas, and the Lakers come storming back. They did force the Raptors to bring their starters back in midway through the fourth quarter, but that's a... I think the term is Pyrrhic victory at that point. Uh, THT had a better ball game. I'm not adding him on the Lakers side. I would stick with Monk. He started, just wasn't... That, that unit wasn't good in this ball game. So the Lakers mixing and matching bodies, and it just isn't fitting. No matter what they do, it's not fitting. Uh, Austin Reeves, the five games and seven nights stream was just a terrible one here. But this is the beauty of having five games and seven nights with a long stream. You can afford to have a terrible one in there because there are just so many games happening. Stick with the same guys. LeBron, Melo, Monk. That's it, really. Yeah, not Russ. Russ hasn't been a 9-cat guy the entire year. He won't be one now. Toronto's side, Freddie Van Fleet came back, so Boucher's minutes dropped back down to 20. To Chris's credit, he actually was pretty good in his 20 minutes of this ballgame, but generally that hasn't been enough this year because his usage isn't as silly as it was last season. We kind of need him up around 23-24, and he's not going to get that with Van Vliet healthy. Precious Achua, bad offensively, got his hustle stats in this one, because when you play the Lakers, you're going to get some of those things. I'm not doing anything with him. Uh, And then Thad Young, his minutes took a hit as well, so nothing there. So now you go back to basically the usuals, which is Trent, Barnes, Siakam and Van Vliet. You don't venture into that other stuff unless you're specific stat hunting. Like if you need rebounds, Achua would be that guy. He's just a very low field goal percent center. Poor Toronto. If they had a if they had a viable center on that team, they might be able to make a little bit of noise. But they don't. Sorry, Raps. So they won't. Oh well. Let's pivot now to our two a day streaming. I guess it's two day, not two a day. Although we do two days per day. So today, today, two days today. There we go. I got there. Today and tomorrow. That's all you really need to know. Mentioned on yesterday's show, you really shouldn't have used any roster moves this week unless you had someone get injured in a way where you knew they were going to miss a bunch of time because there are so many overload days. Yesterday, tomorrow, and Friday are all what you can consider overload days. Maybe not as much Monday's card. I mean, nine, you tend to see some overload. Wednesday's a a huge overload day. I think there's a dozen games on Wednesday and a dozen on Friday, which continues to make this an extraordinarily difficult week to stream basketball players. You just, like, you have to hope that the guys you had, you have a few that are on off days, and then otherwise you just need your big guns to play on the big days. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. It's a it's a screwy day for streaming, or a screwy week for streaming. Ha! I got there, I, or I didn't really. The, the Tuesday stuff today is interesting because you have a few options. In terms of good schedule, in the traditional sense, Phoenix is close, because they go now four times the rest of this week. So if you had someone on Monday that, say, sucked, switching over to Phoenix would almost be like a mulligan on that. If there was actually someone on Phoenix that you felt like you could trust the entire week, which is kind of another question altogether. You know, I, 
Would I switch over to someone like Aaron Holiday when Cam Johnson might show up and derail that a little bit? How much does Aaron Holiday actually get to do in a more competitive basketball game? That's sort of another question with that club. We, you know, Holiday had a good ball game against the Lakers, but also the Lakers are horrendous. If you go back to the previous one where the Suns lost to the Raptors at home, Holiday played just 11 minutes. That one, they went very heavy on the starters with uh, JaVale McGee seeing 18 bench minutes behind DeAndre Ayton, so maybe he's actually the safer play of those guys because at least you could look at him like, all right, well, we know Ayton's going to rest, and they're probably going to go to McGee. Bismarck Biombo hasn't, been able, hasn't done much lately, but then you have to think about what stats you actually need. So that's a tough one because Phoenix doesn't have a whole lot of streaming options. Landry Shamit. Maybe, you know, did Cam Johnson get dropped? He's already been ruled out, so you can't go that direction. So what are you going to do? Maybe if you, you know, this is an option, like talking about Isaiah Roby yesterday. Maybe you don't want to switch to someone like Drew Eubanks, who Portland has a really good schedule coming up. And it actually starts on Wednesday, a a pretty good run for them. They do have a 5-7 and that starts on Sunday, but just generally a good schedule the rest of the way for the Blazers. That's a team to just kind of have guys on right now. But... If you wanted to get one extra game out of the mix, you would go Suns instead. You say, okay, you know what, Drew Eubanks might be better the rest of this week, but I go JaVale McGee, and I get an extra game, and on an overload date, maybe I wasn't going to use those guys on Wednesday anyway. So that's another element you kind of have to put in the back of your head. The other team's playing today. Orlando goes Tuesday, Thursday, and then they don't play again until Sunday, which on paper seems kind of crummy, except not playing on Friday isn't really the biggest deal in the world. I'll once again use the overload factor when we're talking about some of this stuff. If you had someone yesterday that sucked, like let's say you've been rolling with Malik Beasley for a while, Wolves had had a pretty good schedule uh, from like two and a half weeks ago, basically. They had a pretty good run. They had a six-game and nine-day stretch. Beasley was good for pretty much all of those. And then suddenly everybody showed back up for them. You probably want to get off of him because they only have two games the rest of this week, and one of them is on overload Wednesday. So you might only be getting technically one game out of Malik Beasley the rest of this week, and it wouldn't even be a good one. So there you go. Abandon ship and abandon ship quick. But now you have to make the decision, how do you want to stream this week? Brooklyn goes Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. That ends up with some overload days. Detroit goes Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. That's three off-peak days. So if you switched from Beasley, who was probably only going to be in your lineup on... What did I say? They play Saturday to someone on Detroit. You might actually be gaining two games, even though by schedule, you're actually only gaining one. Similarly, if you look at a team like Indiana, they go Tuesday, Friday, Sunday. So you might only be gaining one game there because they have the Friday overload day where Minnesota actually played on Saturday. So Minnesota had a non-overload day mixed in, but Beasley was so bad, you kind of have to move on. Isaiah Roby's another example of someone that seemed pretty good as of two and a half days ago, but probably needs to be abandoned. Thunder play Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, but you, I mean, based on what we just saw, you probably wouldn't be playing him in an overload day. So he probably would only play for you on Sunday the rest of this week. I don't know anybody that doesn't have an overload on Wednesday or Friday. A dozen games means you pretty much are going to have more guys 
playing, then you can start, unless you have a whole bunch of game-time decisions that go the wrong way. So you might be looking at, at almost any team that plays Tuesday and think, all right, like that's a bonus day tonight. Even teams with bad schedules, not Miami. That schedule's too awful. But Memphis goes today, Friday, Sunday. Same number of games the rest of the week as Oklahoma City, but because they go today instead of tomorrow, you probably get an extra game out of it. And maybe you, do you play that guy that you pick up on Memphis? Because we know, we know John Morant is out. So Tyus Jones is actually a really good stream. Well, John might be back by Friday or Sunday, so who knows how long that one actually lasts. That one actually makes much more sense on a Roto standpoint, which we talked about on social media. Another reason you should follow me at Dan Vespers on Twitter, because as this news breaks, we bring it up. But again, talking about Oklahoma City, you might only be set to use your Roby, if that's the guy you had, on Sunday. So he may only be set to play one more game the rest of this week for your team because he just sort of got himself booted out of the overload picture. And whoever you pick up for him, I don't know, will they be good enough to actually move into the overload? This feels like an opportunity instead to look at, say, Detroit. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Non-overload days. Orlando. Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Non-overload days. Yes, the problem with Orlando is that you then end up having to hold on to that player through Sunday. You're not going to want to switch off of them because no one in the NBA goes back-to-back Friday or Saturday, Sunday, excuse me. So maybe there's more value in those guys than the ones that play on Wednesday and Friday. Perhaps it's time to try to get off of players that go on those days. And we already mentioned earlier in the show, if you have a clipper, you're probably going to want to have a move left towards the end of the week to abandon ship on your Clippers. I don't think there's anyone on the Clippers. And and look, Zubats has been good lately, and Reggie Jackson's been good lately. But I don't think anybody has been good enough to hold for a two-games-in-ten-day stretch, which is what they go into starting on Saturday. So save a move per Clipper, basically, on your team, because they got to go at that point. If you have any prayer, I mean, provided your league is continuing beyond this week. So in terms of what you're doing today, this is actually a pretty critical early week day. You need to save some moves in case somebody on your team gets hurt. Hopefully that hasn't happened yet, but I know it has for some teams. There, there are plenty of teams that are missing games out there because I looked at my own and I missed some ball games. And look at then where you're going to. Because, yeah, Brooklyn has the best short-term schedule starting right now. They go Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. But if you picked up, say, Goran Dragic for this game in Orlando, he's going to back up Kyrie Irving, and then he'll start Wednesday, Friday. But if you were already overloaded, are you going to move him in in place of someone else? So are you actually gaining a game at all by moving to Brooklyn with your whoever you stream there, whatever guy you dropped? Now, obviously, if the guy you're dropping was Malik Beasley, it doesn't matter because anything you get is probably going to be better than Beasley's goose eggs across the board. But you probably weren't going to use Beasley on Wednesday. You wouldn't have used him had he played on Friday. He doesn't. He goes on Saturday, so you would have played him there. So basically, you're exchanging a game on Saturday for a game on Tuesday if you went over to Brooklyn. So yeah, they've got the best schedule on a games-per-day basis, 
But Detroit, if you switch to a piston, whoever the hell it might be, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, they're going to play. You're going to get to use that guy for all three games they have the rest of the week. Indiana, you probably get to use your guy for two of their remaining three ball games. Memphis, same story, probably two out of the three. Miami, one out of their remaining two games. Yikes. New Orleans, two. Orlando, probably all three. And Phoenix, two. Probably two out of their remaining four. So Phoenix also has a pretty good schedule here. Brooklyn has a good schedule. But will you actually use those players where... It's it's interesting, too. I mean, Brooklyn only has three games the rest of the week. But Phoenix, with four games the rest of the week, I might argue Orlando and Detroit are better. Because you probably get to use all three of those. And with Phoenix, you might only get to use two. Unless you have so many guys hurt, you just drop one of your overload players back into the lineup. So that's what you're looking at today. Tomorrow on Wednesday is, again, a terrible day to make a move. Because it's overloaded already. You don't want to use a move on a day where you're not adding games to your ledger the rest of the way. And there just sort of isn't a team where the schedule was good Monday, Tuesday, and then abruptly changes on Wednesday. So today, weirdly enough, is your day to make moves. Tuesday is a day to make moves this week. Thursday, sort of, is a day to make moves this week. On that one, you really only have Detroit and Orlando. It's a one-game day because that's March Madness Day, so they pretty much try to wipe everything out. Friday, you're not making moves because everybody is already gone. Saturday, maybe, and Sunday, maybe. I know it's crazy to think, and we always lecture here on this podcast about how you want to save moves towards the end of the week, and I still believe that's true. But if you have a four-move limit this week, I might be inclined to use two of them today and then refuse to touch anything, barring a big injury, until Saturday. You got to get a little bit lucky, which is the case in all playoff formats. If you're not lucky, you're probably going to get smoked. (laughs) It's just, sorry, nature of the beast. If you're not lucky, you're going to get steam trained. But... I know, it's it's so wildly counterintuitive. You're going to need to get lucky on the injury front. But then the other footnote there is, if you do, this is the way to play it. Half your moves today, I know I didn't, I didn't bring this up on yesterday's podcast. I kind of wanted to let it build a little bit. Uh, and it became, it, it sort of got more into focus as I dug in farther on how it all shakes out, you know, I'll admit I, I, I probably should have gotten on this a little bit sooner. But as I was looking at the streaming schedule, it didn't, it didn't crystallize to me just how light Thursday was, and how how not conducive to streaming the end of the week was. Because here I am, I'm looking for these long streaming areas and this week has kind of smashed long streaming right in the face just destroyed it by having all overload days like like this you you almost can't long stream you almost just have to like grit your teeth but if you want to do it this is the way to do it and and you got to get lucky what I'll, i'll also add this caveat before we wrap up the streaming discussion if your team is in good shape 
you probably don't need to do the thing I was talking about, which is like make a ton of moves today, Tuesday, and then pray that your team stays mostly healthy until the weekend. If you're in good shape, just let it ride. If your team's in good shape, just let it ride. If your team is getting spanked, or if you're trailing or it doesn't look great, or like if you're at a game's disadvantage, that's the, that's the real big one. If you're at a game's disadvantage, this is probably the way you got to do it. So find the guys on your team that you would not use on the next overload day. So go to Wednesday and go to Friday and look at who you would not put in your lineup. That's the way to figure it out. I'll do it right here while I'm with you on air. As I go to Wednesday right now, I'm in severe overload mode. And after day one, I already kind of have an idea of you know, what the categories are that I'm, I'm probably going to be chasing on. And... Okay, I, you know, I'll move some bodies around here. This guy's going to be in. This guy's going to be out. What do I do? Like Brandon Williams probably comes out because I want to make sure I win free throw percent. His assists were nice, but his turnovers were really high, blah, blah, blah. So I get down to Wednesday, and my overload guys for Wednesday are probably, and this is sort of unusual, uh, Will Barton, who actually had a decent game yesterday, but previously had been pretty bad and also quite inefficient, and, and the steals have completely dried up, uh, and Brandon Williams. So I'll look at my schedule now, and Denver, they go every other day. So basically, you know, I'm looking at one game the rest of the week out of Barton, provided nothing changes. I'd be playing him on Sunday. And it's the same general story for Brandon Williams, although admittedly, like, I'd love to have him Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday of next week. They go five times in seven days, so I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to drop him. But as I move bodies around, that might be it. And then Isaiah Roby would be the other one. Uh, but I also need to make sure I have a center. This was a, this was a league I'm looking at where I did the Adam King punt bigs format, so Roby is not an overload. He's my second center. But you could move him for a different center, and the overload would stay the same. But then you actually need to fill it in for that same day of the week. You could, you could pick up one that's still Wednesday or Friday. That's why I didn't bring him up. He, he's easily the worst player on that list. Uh, but I would need to fill a center for a center. So it didn't, it didn't serve this example well. This example is guards and wings and stuff like that that I wouldn't be able to wedge into my lineup on Wednesday or Friday. So if I drop Will Barton and I pick up someone on the Pistons, I don't know who the hell it would be at this point, or someone on the Magic, maybe R.J. Hampton if Jalen Suggs sits, or uh, maybe, I don't know, heaven forbid, like Gary Harris, he hasn't been doing very much, but let's just say for argument's sake, someone on Orlando uh, finds their way onto our team. Harris, he's questionable, actually, he's got a knee contusion, so that wasn't a great example. Anyway, maybe somebody dropped Trumo Kiki, Mo Wagner has actually been playing relatively well lately. R.J. Hampton should see some playing time. So there's some options on Orlando. If I, like, I would much prefer to have Will Barton on my team over R.J. Hampton rest of the season, but three games out of Hampton is far superior than one game of Will Barton. Three games of almost anybody I just mentioned on the Magic. And then what if we go to Detroit? They've got some weird names floating around out there. Corey Joseph been playing pretty big minutes lately. He's going to sit back-to-backs, but they don't have a back-to-back this week. Kelly Olynyk and his 15 minutes a game. Is that Livers? Isaiah Livers, or is it Livers? I don't know. 
I wouldn't go Saban Lee. I think he got demoted to the G League. That might be just one click too far. Detroit's... What if Hamadou Diallo shows up out of the blue? So you have to think of it from a three games versus one standpoint here. You can take a much worse player. Basically, anybody outside the top 50, maybe anybody outside like the top 35, no, you're not going to drop a top 35 guy because you might have a, another week or two of your playoffs. For anyone pretty much inside the top 200 and you win out, it's just math. Look at the guys ranked near 50. Anthony Edwards, 21, 4.5, and, and 4. That's a great line. But if I only need a third of that per game, I can go pick up somebody averaging 7, 1.5, and 1.5. And and Those guys are everywhere. That's every streamer on the planet. That's worse than every streamer. I mean, we're talking about like top 250 type of guys that are beating a top 50 because a 3 to 1 games ratio is unbeatable unless you're cat and you go for 60. All right, guys, you heard it here. If you're streaming, today's the day. We'll still do this. We're going to do this two-a-day stuff for the rest of the week, but it's Tuesday to make your adjustments early in the week, and then it's Saturday and Sunday to make them late in the week. That's pretty much the way this one's going to go. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Please do drop a five-star review on the pod. We'll continue this discussion over on Twitter as per usual. I am Dan Baspris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Subscribe, do, while you're at it. And hit up our partners. If you don't remember who they are, I'll tell you on social. You guys know that's how it rolls at this point. Have a great Tuesday. Good luck with your moves. Good luck with your week. We'll talk to you tomorrow.